Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, uh, which is near Philadelphia and home to uh, many sports teams. And everyone here, of course, does not like the Dallas Cowboys. I'm saying that because I'm going to be talking with another guest today from Dallas. Not my first time talking to someone from Texas, and certainly not the last, because if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I've talked to someone from every part of the country all levels of government, from borough council or school board up to U.S. Senate, and all points in between, or at least most points in between, uh, to talk about people's experiences with running for office, um, why they got involved in things, and hopefully encourage everyone else to not just spend their time moping or complaining, but to actually get involved and maybe run for office themselves. Today I'm talking to someone who I've been friends with on Twitter, or at least follow each other, Lauren Henson. Uh, Lauren works for New Heights Communications, and uh, everyone loves uh, communication people and these kind of things in Washington or has a very cynical view of everything. Um, unfortunately, these days, it seems cynicism comes first. But I think if you listen, you'll learn that people who work in any area of politics, most of them, I think Lauren especially, or here, um, have a good reason for why they are getting involved and are trying their best to move the conversation forward and make things better. Um, but maybe she'll prove me wrong, and she's actually as cynical as everyone else. We'll, we'll see. So, uh, Lauren, thanks for talking today. Yeah, I'm super excited to be on and talk about all things elections and running for office. So, I, I told you as we set this up, normally I talk to people who have run for office, and maybe you will one day. Um, you know, you, you can start running for office when you're 85 or something at this point. But um, the thing I always ask people is, when did they become politically aware? Do you, have you always been involved in politics? Is there something in your family? Or did something kind of spur you as you uh, grew up and went to school, like, I need to follow this? Yeah, so I think for me, like a lot of younger millennials, uh, the election of President Obama was kind of what really sparked my interest, because um, I was in, I was either a freshman in high school or in eighth grade, it's like right around that age, so it was right when I was kind of becoming more aware of things, mm-hmm. and from there, I just kind of got really interested, because I think like a lot of people, he inspired so many of us, and I started to really pay attention to what was going on then, and I have ever since just loved politics and campaigns and elections and getting involved. And it seems like from my conversations with people, so many people I've talked with who have run for office or um, done something else, it's because of a presidential campaign. Either they were inspired by Barack Obama, some people I know were inspired by someone earlier than that, or they were negatively inspired. Like a lot of people ran for office because of Donald Trump or even George Bush. Um, and, or, or maybe I talked to someone who was negatively inspired by Barack Obama, but not, not my podcast. Um, do you think that kind of colors what people think about what politics is? Like people just think of the president and there's 499,999 other elected officials and everyone kind of forgets that they exist. Yeah, I think so. And I think that presidential elections are definitely a good segue into, you know, getting involved in lower offices. But I do think a lot of times people just pay attention to, you know, the presidency because, you know, that's just kind of the way people's minds work. They think the president, oh, the president does all of these things and the president controls all of these things. But in reality, there's 
so many local elections and smaller offices that really have such a, a huge impact on your day-to-day life. And I've seen people get involved in that way, too, because they had something, you know, going on in their area and they didn't like it or they wanted to see a change and they got involved from there. Now, you are involved because you work um, a communications company. Tell me what you do because what I know you do is you tweet and obviously you do more than that. Yeah, so I work uh, in communications at a communications firm called New Heights Communications, like you said. And so what we do is we work for various organizations, uh, campaigns. So we worked with organizations like SEIU. Uh, right now, one of our clients is fair representation in redistricting. So we've been working on, you know, having a fair mapping process. So largely what we do is try to control, drive a media narrative about our clients, whether that's the campaign, uh, we want to get them out there and get, you know, we do some digital work there. So sometimes that involves Facebook ads, Google ads, but also traditional media like press conferences, uh, sending out any kind of press material, facilitating interviews, uh, media contacts, that sort of thing. And it's, you know, as a comms person, getting your message out is the main thing. So that's what I spend the bulk of my time doing is getting my clients' message out. So when I first got involved in politics, it was 20 years ago, about, and uh, you know, at that time, getting your message out meant that you had to have a press conference, and you still do that. Um, and you wanted to be on the local news and in the newspaper. You know, I remember working on a campaign, and it was about getting in the Philadelphia Inquirer, and or maybe you really need to get into the Berks County newspaper. And now there barely are those local papers. But you're younger. You're in your twenties. What is what is communications these days? Do you think people who are in politics really get what they need, like understand what they need to be a good communicator? I think some do and some don't. I think some, a lot of times, are kind of stuck in the more traditional aspect of media and think the only way that matters is traditional print. But I think times have changed a lot and Social media, as we both know, is huge in terms of communicating your message. That's where a lot of your constituents are. And your message varies from Twitter to Facebook to even places like Instagram and TikTok. You, a lot of times, I think some of the most effective communicators have platforms on each of those that really reflect the audience there. Because I think Facebook tends to be a little bit more of an older audience, but somewhere like Instagram or TikTok is more of a younger audience. I think Twitter brings a more, it's a very curated audience of people who are really interested in the topic. So I think that's a huge part of being an effective communicator these days. And I think traditional print still has its place. We still work on getting our clients in newspapers and getting them uh, featured in articles as much as we can. Um, But that's just one piece of communicating. Yeah, for me, because I do communication work as well, um, I know people who say, you know, I want to get into the big newspaper. I'm like, I don't care where you get it in because if it's online, then we have five ways of sharing it. I would rather it be in something that's online and we can share it than in a newspaper that people aren't buying at the at the newsstand. Exactly. And I think being able to get your message out in a way online is huge because things spread like wildfire online in a way that things that 
are just in a newspaper might not necessarily do these days. So I think being able to effectively communicate in a way that you can get your message out online easily because we both know how fast things spread on places like Twitter. And even that from there, getting good communications on social media like Twitter can really take off and launch into getting you onto those TV appearances if that's something you're looking for or in the newspapers if that's something you want. Yeah. So one thing I know you, we were talking about this last night, like not you and me necessarily, but I saw you were communicating about it. Um, and others were, uh, was Kevin McCarthy, uh, the, the leader of the Republicans kind of, who knows he, um, was speaking for eight, 10, 15 hours. I think everyone lost count, but, um, there was the video of, of Congressman Jamie Raskin, who, if you look back, has done my podcast and proud of that. Um, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman, um, and it was their reactions and, People were saying, this is what Democrats should do. Now, none of this very scripted, like, fancy, get everyone, big news crew here, just be authentic. Um, you saw that, right? It seemed like I think even you were saying, yeah, this is, people need to be focusing on this. This is what an effective communicator is in 2021. Yeah, I think so. I think people really are looking so much for our authenticity from our politicians. And I think not... Not everyone is necessarily as naturally good as the things are as like AOC and Jamie Raskin are. I think some people just naturally are kind of good at that. Like mm -hmm. AOC has these great Instagram lives she does. And I don't think that necessarily is going to work for everyone. You know, I don't see my congresswoman, uh, you know, going on Instagram live. But I do think finding ways to be authentic and show off your real voice is something that people are really looking for and people really respond to. And that's something that I think a lot of people have tried to replicate and are not necessarily successful, but I do think you can find the right strategy that works for you as a campaign or as a politician. And as a regular person too, like I have a coworker and I have even my son who's seven, like if I ask him a question and he will give me a really smart answer, not just for a seven-year-old, but for any age. Um, you know, he'll go off on these rants sometimes, and I'm like, yep, that's my kid. But then if I put a camera in front of him, he's like, I don't, I'm, like, he, his smile does not look genuine, and I'm like, you know, he just knows the lights are on, so you have to kind of catch him off guard. Um, do you, do you think that there's good ways of training people to just forget that, like, don't think twice about it? Kind of like, I don't know, golfing or other sports where if you're putting too much thought into it, you, you mess it all up. Yeah, I think it's kind of like almost a practice thing. You just kind of have to keep doing it and find that groove and find your stride and find what works for you. And so I think we can kind of train people in ways to do that. And a lot of it's just kind of continued exposure and keep doing it. So you find what makes you comfortable in communicating and what you aren't comfortable in ways of communicating. And for me, a lot, for me, I think as someone who's younger and kind of grown up with expressing myself on the internet since I was, you know, in almost in elementary school, really, it's, it comes kind of naturally to me, mm -hmm. but I can see how it doesn't always to others. Um, and so I think that can kind of sometimes is a struggle with, politicians but I also think you it's not always just an age thing I think you can see 
when you have the right communicators around you, it can make a huge difference. Like I think a huge thing was Ed Markey's campaign. His campaign, uh, when he was running for re-election for the primary, it totally turned around his image. I think he wasn't really somebody who was seen as like necessarily that interesting of a guy. And now he's kind of like rebranded himself completely and his communication is totally different than how he used to be. And that's a testament to the people that he hired who were able to help. And I think a lot of people in your mind, not you, but like when you're hiring people, a lot of managers, not, not just in politics, but just in anything, are like, oh, this person's got a 20-year resume or 15-year resume. It sounds like you really want some people, not all people, but you want people with less years of professional work because they're attuned to doing things in the way they did when they first started. And, you know, my congresswoman's Madeline Dean. I like her a lot. She is not the same kind of person that um, AOC is, if you are. Um, but she has really great staff, um, communication staff, from my experience, and it seems to draw out things of her that, well, I wouldn't have expected that when I knew her 10 years ago. So you think when you're talking to people who are starting to, to get into their own campaign, like, hey, you know, get the people who are on the ground who are, you know, really into the discourse or whatever it is, um, don't just get people who have an impressive resume. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think there are a lot of really, especially younger people who may not necessarily have all the experience, like you said, but they have newer experience and Mm -hmm. different experience. And I learned so much even from people who are younger than me, because I think you can obviously keep up with, trends and all that regardless of your age but I think you can be really attuned to stuff just because the way social media works if you're somebody who is younger because a lot of that is targeted towards you I think you know with all like the algorithms and things like that a lot of times there's stuff you see like the TikTok trends and things like that some of that stuff is stuff that I would never see on my personal feed just because it's not really stuff that I'm looking for but then you see politicians like hopping on board these trends and it's because you have younger people on staff who are actively looking for this stuff and who it's, you know, being put into their feeds and curated for them. And so I think that's, you know, just one way of how younger people are really helping shape communications for campaigns and politicians and organizations. Yeah, I, I have started using TikTok. I haven't put anything up, but I started looking at it. I have to say... So much of it feels so stupid. And it's not you, but, like, there are crazy conspiracies. Like, I'm scrolling through. Sometimes there's good stuff, admittedly very good stuff. And not just in politics, but in all sorts of things. Sometimes it's funny, but some of it, I'm like, wow, this is terrible. And this has 100,000 views. Um, You know, as an older person, I'm only 41, but, like, as someone who's not, like, immersed in it in the same way, to me, I see that and like, I don't even want to be involved in this. But do you think that everyone really needs to, not every person, but do you think that if you're involved in p- politics, you need to bring your conversation to every platform? Because that does sound a bit exhausting. I guess maybe that's why they come to you. Yeah, I don't think it's possible necessarily to be on every platform because I don't think that's necessarily necessary for every, you know, 
politician or elected official, um, I think it can help. But that is why a lot of times the kind of this kind of work is outsourced because being a social media manager, a digital digital director, that's it's full time work. It's a lot of work to run social media accounts because you're not, I think people a lot of people think oh they're just posting on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, but it's a lot more than that. You're tailoring your message to your audiences. You're looking to hop on any kind of trend. You're constantly looking to, you know, curate these feeds to make them right for each platform and whoever it is that you're representing. So it really is a lot of work. I mean, I run a few social media accounts for New Heights of our clients, and that is, it's a lot of work to do that. And we're not somebody who's posting even necessarily as frequently as you know, somebody who runs a campaign, social media account, things like that. And a lot of times that's why you're seeing such an increase in digital staff. I mean, when I started getting into politics, these digital jobs didn't even exist. They really have only popped up in the last few years. Right. So now you're seeing a lot more of that uh, staffing, you know, you're seeing digital directors, digital assistants, all kinds of jobs, these teams. And they're part of the broader communication team because Digital communications are similar, but they are two different things, and there's a lot of overlap. But that's kind of why, like, you'll see sometimes job listings for someone to be a digital director and a press secretary or a digital director and communications director. Those are really two distinct different jobs. Right. So, yeah. So while you have that overlap, they're still they're different jobs and they require different skill sets. And a lot of people like as a communications person, I also have digital experience. So I'm kind of a mix of both. So I have both of those experiences and can do both things, but not everyone necessarily needs to be on every platform, but I do think depending on what your goal is, it can be helpful to be, you know, to at least attempt to be on a few different platforms. Yeah, I, and I think doing it right is better than doing it fast a lot of the time. But, um, you know, I want to move on past that because I'm sure you want to not just talk about that kind of stuff. But one thing I know that from following you and talking to you is um, a lot of people on Twitter and social media in general or, or just in life when it comes to politics just seem so doomerish, right? Like people, maybe they were inspired by Barack Obama 11 13 years ago whatever it was um and now feel underwhelmed by everything but today like today is a day of both the kyle rittenhouse verdict which you know is not uplifting to a lot of the country let's put it mildly um but on the other hand the house just passed a really transformative bill and there's good news on policy so do you how do you think that we can get people to focus on good things. I know, you know, we talked about AOC, a number of Congress people are posting a lot of really good parts of legislation, but do you think that we, one, can reel people in to talk about good things, or should we and just focus on what works to win? Yeah, I think it's hard because I think people's minds naturally are drawn to a lot of, you know, the more negative things. I think it is easy to feel despair or hopelessness when you see everything that's going on. But I do think we should continue to draw attention to all the good things that, you know, are in build that better because there is, you know, they might not have been what we 
exactly how we wanted them to be. You know, I think a lot of people, like a lot of progressives, people wanted, you know, a more expansive bill. But at the end of the day, this is what we have, this is what we're working with now. So I think a big thing is celebrating the wins that we do have. And I think being able to create more tangible policy that people can actually see working for them, because I think that's kind of the big thing is a lot of people don't necessarily know or understand how government is working for them. So I think there are a lot of great things in the bill, like, you know, the drug pricing. That's something that's huge. People, that's something that tons of people are going to see and actually feel. They're going to go get their medication and they're going to see, oh, I'm not paying hundreds, thousands of dollars for medication now. So I think really praising that kind of stuff and showing off all the good things that we've been able to do and also showing that we did this and, you know, we can continue doing good things like this, doing even better things if we are elected again. I think that's a really important part of, you know, all of this legislation and communicating this legislation. So on that, and I'm bringing this up for a reason, um, you know, you were inspired by Barack Obama. You're very involved in politics in general, obviously including your work, but you, you care about this. What do you want to happen? I just like when you think about um, the ideal for Congress or politics, like, do you have a, you know, if Lauren was in charge, here's what do we do? And I have a reason for asking. So, like, do, is there any sort of ideal to you, like, if, if Lauren was running the government or Lauren's friends were, from across the country were Congress, this is what we would get done? Yeah, for me, I want a government that works for all people and that's working to, you know, reduce all of the inequalities and inequities in our society. I think it's important for our, gov our government to, you know, expand the social safety net and take care of people. And for me, I think that's always what's been important to me. Because I think when you see, you know, the amount of people who are homeless or can't afford food, or even just things like we've had such a big debate over things like paid leave, Stuff like that, stuff like that is super important to me because I just think we have the capacity to be a better society and I think we can see that in other countries that a lot of these things, they're possible. I think a better world and we can build that. So that would be the ideal for me as a government. You know, I consider myself personally my views. Uh, I'm definitely more on the progressive side, but I think a lot of these things are not they shouldn't just be called progressive ideas because I think they're really common sense ideas and they're things that a lot of people want. I mean, you see the polling, things like paid leave and lower prescription drug prices poll extremely high because those are things that people think they deserve. And I think people want to see our government working for them. And that's what I think and how Congress should function. So that's not just how you think Congress should function. That's how you think the legislature should function, governors, etc. I say that because I was looking on your Twitter feed earlier today, and there was one governor who you know is posting about the Rittenhouse verdict, and it's it's like one side of gov of politics is doing things like today's Build Back Better bill and talking about the details of that, about it, of policy, and another one is just shit posting. That's it, right? Like. Just, you know, both as a person in politics and as a, a young person and just a human being, are you just, do you just get exhausted by 
the dumbness of those battles and how do you keep other people from being exhausted by it? Because to me, I would love if there were two parties or three parties or whatever, but there's not. There's just one governing party and another's that is just cultural grievance. Yeah, it's, it is exhausting. And I think we all have to admit that it's exhausting because I think it's just, it would be nice if, you know, right now we had actual legitimate debate over, you know, what's in Build Back Better or whatever. But we just see, you know, we have people saying, oh, this is socialism or whatever. And that's not a serious debate because that's not actually critiquing the merits of the bill, what's actually in the legislation. That's just throwing, you know, red meat to people who have no idea what socialism even means. They just know that they think it's bad. So it's frustrating because I think that's part of why our politics is so broken as a whole, because we've lost this capacity. And I don't know really to what extent we've ever truly had it. I think maybe, I think the, you know, constant news cycle probably just made things more apparent of how broken our entire system can be in some ways but I think it's exhausting and I think to get people to not be exhausted again you have to continue to point out the good things and continue to work to accomplish those I think naturally people are going to be exhausted by it just because it really is exhausting when you have one party working hard to accomplish things and you have another where like you said people are shitposting yeah and you know you have um this issue where one party's doing it, another party's not, like one party's governing, one party, there's nothing positive or affirmative from the Republicans right now. Ideally, you would have one that's like, I really want to focus on these urban issues. One says, I want to focus on these rural issues, or I want to focus on healthcare, and I want to, someone says, I want to focus on defense. But that's not, that's not happening. Um, but the thing is, like, people hear, oh, this is what Congress is doing, and that's why they're exhausted by Congress is, you know, it's not both sides, but people just end up saying, oh, everyone's bad, throw them all out, it's exhausting, Congress is bad, government's bad, when it's not. So, as a communicator, bring it all back, what can we do, not as an elected official, myself, a member of Congress, or all these issue groups you talked about, SCIU, I worked there years ago, I love them, um, what do you think we can do to be better at cutting through that noise and and winning? Yeah, I think a lot of it is about engaging with, meeting people where they are and engaging people with where they are and what we can work with there. Because I think people are constantly tired of this stuff. And that's why, like you said, approvals of Congress are consistently terrible. And I think... There's, you know, to a degree, media is going to do what media is going to do. I think it can help drive these media narratives as communicators, as professional communicators. But we can, you know, we can only do so much there. So I think a large part of it is continuing to try to remain above the fray and continually pointing out there's so many good things that we're doing and things that we can continue to do. And like I said, people will be drawn to negative things I think that's human nature we're all kind of like that because we see something shocking and we think wow this is terrible um but at the end of the day I think there are a ton of really good things going on uh within our government and so I think 
continually showing up for constituents. And that's something that politicians have to do. And us as communicators, showing how our campaigns and elected officials are showing up is something we can communicate and get people engaged with. So, And, of course, bring it back to the podcast itself. The best way people show up is, one, to vote, of course, but two, um, to actually run for office. It's twenty twenty. It's going to be twenty twenty two in a few days, weeks, whatever. Um, why would you encourage people to run for office now at, you know, at any level? And you know, from your experience, you know, as a young person and as a communicator, if you were, if someone was interested in running for for office, do you have anything that you would say? Hey, you know, if you're going to do it, um, here's some things you should think about doing from the start. Yeah. So I think for running for office, you can't you can't change things if you're sitting on the sidelines. I don't think necessarily everyone wants to be in office or needs to, but I think there are a lot of people who could run for office and maybe it's something they think about but they think they can't do it. And I think having representation of just, you know, regular people like me, you and other people in our government makes such a huge difference because you have people who can actually relate to, you know, the kitchen table issues that the average person is going through. I think a big disconnect that we have with a lot of our elected officials is that they're not very representative of the average person. So I think, you know, and you see organizations like Run for Something are encouraging a lot of, you know, average people like us to just run. So for me, I think I would say, if you if there's something that you want to see changed in your community, then take a look at running for office. You don't have to commit to anything, but it's something that you can look at doing for yourself and doing for your community because it's just one way to make a huge change. And if you want to see more people like yourself in the government, then you can start with that change by running. Great. Um, now lastly, you know, it's, you're not running for office. Are you running for office? Are you going to announce that right now? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are, again, going back to doomerism just once, there are a lot of people who look at 2022 and they're like, oh, it's a midterm year. That's never good for the party that holds the white house and all this kind of technical mumbo jumbo, I think to most voters. Um, but I am generally an optimistic person. I try to be. Um, I wasn't for some time, but is there anything that makes you feel hopeful or optimistic about not just the year ahead, but the future instead of just feeling miserable? And I don't think you're miserable. I'm just saying like, is there, are you looking at it? Do you, cause you, you are, um, actually a much brighter person, both in disposition and intelligence online than a lot of others. But, um, is there anything looking forward where you feel hopeful about what could be? I think just seeing the amount of people, I think on multiple sides, like the amount of incredible, talented campaign staff and consultants and all the people who help make campaigns work, uh, knowing so many of those people, that makes me super hopeful and for not just for 2022, but beyond. I think there are a ton of really good people, organizers, campaign staff, who are really working really hard to making our country and the world a much better place. So for me, when I feel 
a bit hopeless sometimes. I think of how there are so many people working so hard to continue, you know, the work of all the people who have helped us get as far as we've come right now. So I think it's not possible. I understand that it's not possible to win every time. So 2022, who knows what will happen. It's We're still a year out. Anything could happen. We know historically, blah, 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 whatever. But who knows? And I think there's so many passionate people, and especially young people, who are going to give it their all. And I think, you know, we've seen that in so many elections. I think, for me, Georgia, the Senate election, is a big one. Just seeing how many people, the work they put in. It's, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So we might suffer some temporary setbacks, but nothing's forever. I think that is what my mentality has always been, is that, okay, we might lose. And as someone who worked, you know, for the first time in 2014, that was a tough year. Yeah. It was not great, but we bounced back. And, you know, four years later, look at how great 2018 was. That was an incredible year. We got so much good stuff done. And even 2020, maybe it didn't go as, you know, the way we wanted it to to the full extent, but we were able, you know, to get Biden elected. We were able to get uh, Warnock and Ossoff elected. So I think there's there's a lot of hope there, and there's a lot of possibility. And if the, if politics is a marathon, not a sprint, which I agree, then the best marathon runners are the ones that you know have the longest life ahead of them. And I mean that you know with all sensitivity, and that's getting more young people involved. Uh, so they can start early, whether it's running for office or doing what you're doing, Lauren. And if people want to follow you, they want to learn more, and they should follow you. Lauren's got good opinions. Uh, that's why we're talking. So uh, where, what's the best way they can follow you to to see what you're doing and maybe learn more and you know be part of the conversation? Yeah, so I think the best way you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter is at Lauren H. Texas. So my first name last initial H, then Texas, like my home state. Uh, you can follow me on there. That's where I'm most active, and that's kind of, for me, the only platform I really talk about politics. I don't do much on Facebook or Instagram or anything, so that's the best way to follow me and keep up with my work. Well, I encourage everyone to follow Lauren. Um, this podcast is going up right around Thanksgiving. I know Lauren's spending time with her family. I, we will be spending time with ours, and we can do that because we're vaccinated. Um, and I hope everyone listening will be doing that as well. I'm sure most of the people who listen to this are. Um, thanks so much, Lauren, and have a great holiday. Yeah, thank you so much. I was super glad to come on the show. Great, and you're welcome to come back, or if you know anyone else you want to talk with, we'll be happy to talk with anyone you recommend. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And if you're listening, maybe you should run for office too. Follow us, subscribe, and uh, check out past episodes.